CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. Campus this is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for her treatment and out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that has global warming. Completely under control. That means it's time for the debate debate brought to you by campus2can.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Mason. I'm Felix Sharp. On an amatory version of tonight's show, what's the top headline to track in the 2021 college football season? Who will be the first head coach fired this season? But we start with 828, week zero. We are inching closer and closer to the start of college football season. And if you haven't heard, the Campus to Canton team has two shows, two shows to bookend your Saturdays. First, the tailgate in the morning to get you ready for the games. And then uh, yours truly, I think all three of us, will be on the coast-to-coast late show at night to wrap everything up. Austin, what are you looking forward to as, you know, the Campus Campus to Canton team ramps up its content 
Yeah, shout out to my wife who is letting me do five weekly shows through the season here. Uh, she is a saint. Unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to take her somewhere very expensive after the uh, season's over. But it, I do it for you guys. Um, I'm looking forward to lear- like the morning show. I'm just Reese Davis. I'm there. I'm there to look good and, and talk nice. And uh, so I'm I'm going to be learning a lot about DFS and stuff from the guys that are going to be on there. That that's what I'm most looking forward to. It's an area that I don't have much knowledge in, and I think. For anybody to be a great, you know, C2C player, especially, you really should have a lot of different vantage points coming at it. You know, the DFS, the CFF, Devi, Dynasty, Redraft, those can all help you. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Austin. That, that's one of the things I'm most excited about when it comes to the tailgate. Like, we just added Will, who we got a chance to meet him on a call the other day, and he's like, he was giving me energy and I was sitting here with like no AC about to die. And he was, he was bringing me back the other day. And I can't, I can't wait to sit there and learn from those guys too. I'm hopefully going to win us some money because those three Alfred Moxley will are 10 times smarter than I think the three of us combined. So um, I'm excited to learn all that DFS stuff from them on the in Saturday mornings. The one thing that I've appreciated so much about our team is that we are all doing a whole bunch of stuff regardless of whether anyone's watching. We even started that way, but then, you know, people are starting to pay attention and are starting to notice, but we're still having just as much fun and we're looking forward to pushing the boundaries just as much as we did, you know, to, to, to start. Um, so I'm looking forward to it too. Tonight, we are talking about the top nine storylines as we head into the college football season. I couldn't, I couldn't get a 10th, that really fit in there. So we're just going to say the top nine storylines to, to go into the season. The first jump roll, please. Number nine is Steve Sarkeesian, the guy to turn Texas around. Um, I think that it's obvious that they got to figure something out at quarterback there. They haven't named a starting quarterback yet in the, in uh, the start of the season for them is less than two weeks away. Casey Thompson, Hudson Card. Hudson Card appears to be taking the lead, but I would guess that they're going to use both quarterbacks. But quite frankly, if one couldn't take the job from the other, that's probably not a great sign. And so what are we going to see moving forward from that position? You've got Malik Murphy, who's coming in next year. There's a whole mess at Ohio State uh, that's going to get shaken out. Could Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord be a potential uh, transfer to Texas. Bruning, Austin, what are your thoughts about, you know, whether Steve Sarkeesian could be could be the guy to turn it around even as early as this year? I mean, I hope so. I, I, I do think college football is better when Texas is a thriving program, even before they go to the SEC in a couple years, or uh, it's not, I guess, been finalized, but the they're supposedly going to be going over there. I think it'd be great if, if they could come back. I still believe in Hudson Card, uh, Collins Boy to take over, and then Malik Murphy looks like the next best thing uh, coming over there. I don't think Quinn's going there. I, I really... I don't. We, we're going to talk Ohio State later, so I can dive deeper into that. But I, I think Quinn's going to stay at, at Ohio State. I don't see him leaving. Uh, so I think it's going to be Card, and then next year, can Malik Murphy beat him out? I don't think so. I think 
They've really got to get some better wide receivers in there, though. I mean, Troy O'Meary, you know, I know he's your guy, Felix. He's dealing with an injury right now. Will he be ready to start the season? They need to get some of those higher-end wide receiver crews. They've got Bijan for two more years. Uh, I do think that they're on the come-up. I don't know if he turns them around this year, but I could see them getting into the playoffs before they expand to the 12-team uh, format by 2025 or whatever it's supposed to be. Austin, is this going to be like the equivalent of Jim Harbaugh going to Michigan and there being a lot of fanfare and then just very little substance there after the initial hire? You don't even have to go to Michigan to to draw that comparison. You can just talk about the, every coach they've had since Mac Brown left at Texas, and it's kind of been that way. Um, I, I haven't been a fan of a couple of the hires they've had recently, so, and I, I do like Sark there. I think he's a guy that has has you know seen the lowest of lows in his career you know basically almost ruined the entire thing and has now rehabbed his image to the point where he's getting head coaching jobs again at major programs um i think a lot of people would have been would have laughed at you if you said he, he was coaching at texas just a few years after leaving usc there um i i predicted a few a few weeks ago on the the c2c pod that uh, I think it was RJ Young had tweeted out once the SEC move became official for them. He said, you know, which school is more likely to win a national championship in the next 10 years, Texas or Oklahoma? At the time, I said Texas. I just think, you know, no matter, I, I realize that Oklahoma has more national championships and I realize they have more Heisman winners. Texas just feels like a bigger program to me. They're in that recruiting hotbed. They're, you know, they're they're the Longhorns. They've they, and they were good, you know, not that long ago. Now Oklahoma's bringing bringing in these classes over the next couple of years. They've got you know five star after five star. I'm rethinking that a little bit, but I I do think that it won't be immediate. I think you need to give Sark a year or two. I think that team can get back to um, contending status. I do. Um, I appreciate Felix that you will not admit defeat on Casey Thompson. I really appreciate that. It seems like he won't be starting this year. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's over. I think the competition is over. Um, so, so we'll see if Card can do something or if they do have to to jump to Murphy in the future. Has he been? De- he hasn't been declared the starter yet. Uh, Hudson Card. He hasn't been declared, but yeah, he's taking all the first team snaps. He was, I think, in that last uh, practice or scrimmage they had, he was taking the the first team snaps. Listen, if, if that's true, and Casey Thompson doesn't start, it seems that Colin Decker was right in that Sark just held Casey Thompson around so that he would not transfer. And then now at the last minute is pulling him and making Hudson card the starter. But Casey Thompson has some good football left. Um, if he goes to, you know, a G5 team next year, he's going to be some somebody that you're going to want to own in campus to Canton leagues because he can run the football. And I think that he has, he would have, two years left after this season. So he could be an older prospect. That's um, that's, you know, a very attractive quarterback option next season, even if he's not at Texas, the number eight headline that we are paying attention to in going into the 2021 season is who is the first head coach to be fired. I think that there are two uh, candidates who kind of stand out. We mentioned Jim Harbaugh. He's one and Clay Helton would be the other. Uh, USC starts with San Jose State. Now, if you're just looking at on paper and saying uh, USC's playing San Jose State, I mean, that's going to be a bowl game for San Jose State for a team that won uh, the Mountain West last year and had a very good defense. I don't think that that's just a, a, a gimme 
for uh, USC for the Trojans on September 4th. And then they go to Stanford and Washington State. I mean, I there's going to be an upset in week one. There's going to be a team that gets upset. And it could be USC losing to San Jose, San Jose State right out the bat. And then with uh, with Michigan. Michigan's got that big game against Washington in week two. Now, you know, Washington looks like a top 20 team, but they're probably on equal talent level as Michigan. I don't know that that's necessarily um, a team to be scared of, but we all know that the games that, that matter, the game that matters in Michigan and Ann Arbor is when they play in Ohio state and they play uh, that game is at home this year, the last game of the season, November 27th. You know, I think if that game goes poorly, Jim Harbaugh could, could be fired and not coach in the bowl game. But going along with who's going to be fired, we have to pay attention to the coaches that are on the rise. Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. Those guys, I think, next year are going to have bigger jobs. The reports are that Matt Campbell turned down seven years and $68 million from the Detroit Lions before they hired Dan Campbell. I mean, I you think about news that breaks, who breaks it? That has to be Matt Campbell's agent. It didn't come from the Lions brass. It came from Matt Campbell's agent to say, hey, USC, hey, Michigan, you want to get Matt Campbell? You're going to have to pay in the $80 million range to get him. I think that that's where that news came from. Austin, what are your thoughts about who could be the first coach fired? Have I identified one of the two, or is there somebody else you would throw out there? I mean, I, I, Helton's the obvious one. I think Scott uh, Scott Frost there at Nebraska is a name that that if they do not start off well, you could hear. Um, the other one, and this is a little out there because I realize he's only he'll only be in his second year of a four-year deal that he signed last year. If Mississippi State continues to get pummeled, I think they're going to start to have second thoughts there on him. I mean, to be like they're – They've never been a serious contender for any long stretch in the SEC, but they've they've had their years where you know they can hang in there. If they just get murdered two years in a row, that that is definitely a regression for them. Um, and so I could see him that that and when things are not going well for Mike Leach, he is not the most you know genial you know congenial guy to to talk to. So though that that's my Scott Frost would be my my obvious one, and then Mike Leach is a sneaky one that I think could come around and Herm Edwards, if something happens at Arizona state, if any news comes out there, but yeah. I mean, uh, Jeff Brom, I think it produced another guy, not that that's a big name school, but I think he's another guy who, who might be sitting on the hot seat, but I think Helton is definitely the, the main one. Cause I, I just don't, I know me and Austin disagree with you on the, on the hardball thing, Felix. I just, even, I don't think anybody expects them to beat Ohio state. So if they go and lose to Ohio state, unless they lose to like Michigan state again this year, I don't think they lost to Rutgers last year, but like Rutgers, if they lose games, they shouldn't lose maybe. But I think if he goes through and only wins or loses two, three games and one of them is Ohio state, I don't think they fire him because they're just not in all fairness to them. They're not on Ohio state's level at the moment. So I, I don't think anybody's out there uh, expecting them to win. And I, I don't think Luke fickles leaving Cincinnati for what it's worth. He seems to, he seems to love it there, and I think with with the way he's building up that program and the possible talks of playoff expansion coming in the next couple of years, I think Fickle's staying. I don't think he's leaving Cincinnati. I've actually never understood 
you know, like how much money do you need to make? I'd rather have job security for the rest of my life than, you know, go somewhere and make a Luke Fickle is probably doing just fine financially. He doesn't necessarily need to make the jump. Quite frankly, neither does Matt Campbell. You could do what, uh, what's the head coach? Well, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa and the guy at Northwestern. Um, I can't remember his name. Pat Fitzgerald. I was going to say Mac Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I've wanted him to be the coach of the Lions for a long time, and uh, but no, you get a job like that. You you know you have some winning seasons. Everybody praises you. You're never really challenged, and you can just you could just uh, stay in that role. All right. The number seven headline that we are paying attention to for the 2020 season, 2021 season. Vulnerable blue bloods. Now, it's no secret that several teams around the country have uh, returning seniors, super seniors. But you look across the board at the Blue Bloods at Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. Alabama, totally new offensive line, offensive coordinator, quarterback, running backs. Uh, I've heard other podcasts talk about questions in the back end at Alabama. I think that this could be the year that um, we don't see – Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, you know, the normal four in the in the final four once we get to the playoffs. Matt Bruning, I mean, I'm seeing this as a year where you could see Alabama lose two. You could see Ohio State lose two. You could see Georgia lose out the gate with all of the injuries that they've suffered. What are your thoughts about um, vulnerability and, quite frankly, parity in college football this season? Yeah, I think this is the year. I tweeted out uh, something about Texas A&M earlier today when Haynes King was announced as a starter that I think this is the year where it's the deepest pool of contenders we've seen in a while. Usually it's really only like three, maybe a fourth team where I think you can go five or six deep. And and I tweeted out a couple, I think a week ago, that I think, uh, and I meant this, I think North Carolina and Cincinnati make the playoffs this year because I do think Cincinnati goes undefeated. If they go undefeated, They're already ranked inside the top 10. I think this will be the year that that G5 school gets it. And then if North Carolina can end up beating Clemson, I think that they're going to get in. So I I think those two get in. So then that knocks out two of those three Blue Bloods because I think – I can't remember the exact stat, but it's like of the past 32 teams or whatever that made it in, 25 of them are a mixture of Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma. So those four have been in for a, a while. Uh, and so I think at least two of those get knocked out. Uh, you know, it, it's I, I don't disagree with what you said on any of that, though. Ohio, Ohio State could lose. I, Clemson, I think Clemson could lose. I think Clemson's going to lose to North Carolina. So there's at least one loss. Bam, I don't think they lose two, but I definitely think they could lose at least one. Even with the people saying they're vulnerable on the back end, Nick Saban's still one of the best, like, defensive back coaches and let's just be honest one of the best coaches in college football he'll figure out a way to keep them from losing multiple games because they still have enough talent on the offensive side of the ball and I think on the defense to keep them in most games I could see them getting getting one loss but I don't think they lose more than that but I definitely think this is the the year for parity you want to hear something crazy I actually the more and more I've thought about it this offseason I think Clemson is going to be better than they were last year I think they smoke North Carolina this year. I think they, now that Georgia's dinged up, I think they, they an emphatic 10-point win, at least, opening weekend against Georgia. I think Clemson cruises. 
I really, really do at this point. I, I think there's not a lot of question marks there for them. They have a really good defense this year. And DJU is going to add an element to that offense that they haven't really had recently. I mean, Trevor Lawrence could run, but they didn't really want him to run. I think they're fine with DJ running a little more than him. So, um, yeah, give me all the Clemson. And as boring as it is, I think Alabama wins the SEC this year. I do. I, there's gonna there they'll be pushed. Uh, Texas A&M might get close. Georgia might get close. But I I think Alabama still wins the SEC. This this conversation will be really funny to look back on in three months when it's like just those teams are cruising away as per usual. Texas A&M is the trend. Tr- if you're not picking Alabama, Texas A&M is a trendy pick. Um, I'm looking at Georgia's schedule. Obviously, they have the the uh, week one game against Clemson, which is just um, I, I cannot wait for that game. But then, you know, I like Arkansas as an upstart team. I, I think Arkansas could be this season's Indiana. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I don't know that they'll be able to, to, to pull it out against Georgia, but I think that that game could be closer than people think, especially if Georgia continues to have the injuries that they've been having. Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, George Pickens, Darnell Washington, all dealing with injuries during tr- – George Pickens is out for the – at least for the year, we believe. But they've dealt with a lot of injuries there in that offense, and so um, – Georgia could be a team that falters uh, if they can't if they can't score. Quite frankly, and we saw what Cincinnati did. I mean, Cincinnati almost had Georgia's number in that bowl game. The number six headline that we are looking forward to in the 2021 season is Eric Gilbert. I mean, I think that this storyline has to be intriguing. The highest ranked tight end recruit uh, in 24/7 Sports history. He goes to. Um, to LSU, and despite what Matt Bruning was, did Matt say that Eric Gilbert or he Michael did Mayer didn't do anything? I said Eric Gilbert I hadn't done anything. Yeah, get the, Eric Gilbert didn't do anything. Um, he had a tremendous season last season, and the transfer well transfers to Florida first, and then transfers to Georgia, and is no longer with the Georgia football team. There's just like no good news uh, coming from his camp and coming out about Eric Gilbert. He reminds me. It's, it's not directly similar, but Maurice Claret had his great freshman season. They go to the national championship. They beat Miami. And then he attempts to make the jump to the NFL, falters and has to wait the, the two years and uh, before he's eventually a day three. Good third, I think it was a third-round draft pick for the Denver Broncos and never, never panned out. That's Austin. That's what we're headed towards with Eric Gilbert. I um the Maurice Claret thing was re- I saw that on the show sheet. I was like, that is a really a name I haven't heard in a while, and it's it if it, it's it, it's perfect. It's the first time I've ever said that about anything Felix has ever said or written or done. It's perfect. So kudos to you, Felix, for that comparison. Um, he's just a knucklehead, like and knuckleheads come in all shapes and sizes in college football. He's just a knucklehead. Like I don't, I don't know how else to describe him. I think he's like, I don't think he cares about school. Like he just wants to play football. I think that he thinks he's better than he is. Like he's a great prospect, but like I, he thinks that he can just get by on that and not because uh, he's had run-ins with coaching staffs now, failing drug tests, which is basically an IQ test in college because you don't, they're not that strict with them. Like I, he's just a knucklehead. He's just a knucklehead. I, 
he scares me. He does. So the Maurice Claret thing is feels very apt. Matt, I, I don't think that – I can't see Eric Gilbert being a first-round draft pick at this point. I don't see a, a team spending, quite frankly, a day-two draft pick, and that's why he reminds me of Maurice Claret. We're not going to see him play for two years. Maybe he goes to an Alabama state like um, Isaiah Crowell did, and he can rehab his image and you know become a priority undrafted free agent that everyone's looking at or you know a, a, team, a draft pick that someone – takes a flyer on it in the sixth, seventh round. But I think that that's his ceiling unless we see some sort of dramatic, dramatic change in the next couple of months. Well, his draft stock is hurt by the fact that he's in the same class as mayor. Like if he was, if there was no tight end talent in that class, I think he could get away with it, but there is another guy there. And I think that, does not help. I don't know. What were you going to say there, Matt? Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're probably for the best because you can probably hear my printer now in the background, kind of making all kinds of weird noises. Um, no, I, I, I could still see him going in the third or fourth round if he is able to get back on the field and even produce a little bit. And then if he goes out and tests well and, and commits to playing tight end, I still think he's going to go round three because we've seen and if dumb NFL teams make dumb decisions. I mean, we were just talking before the show, Denver passing on Justin Fields and possibly ending up with Austin's favorite quarterback, Carson strong next year. And like the 15 to 18th pick in the first round when they could have had Justin Fields, who has already looked amazing. Some team will take a shot on him in like the third round because he goes out there and test all. And I would bet even if he doesn't play another snap, on a college football field, someone will still take a shot on him. If, if he doesn't play another snap, I'd say fifth round. I, there's no way he goes undrafted just because of what he can do testing-wise. He's such a physical, physically athletic freak. Someone will take a shot on him. He feels like the kind of guy that if he doesn't play another snap, that he shows up to the combine like out of shape. Like yeah. that just that just seems is, like that would just be the perfect like next step in that story for him. That's exactly what Maurice Claret did. Yeah. He came to the combine completely out of shape and and did terribly. All right. The number five headline that we are looking forward to as we get closer to week one of the college football season, who will be the quarterback three in the 2022 class and next year's class? Of course, you've got Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, a consensus one or two, but one and two, but there's really no consensus after that. Uh, Austin has poo-pooed my Carson Strong hype. Matt Corral is out there. Malik, some people like Malik Willis, Keaton Slovis. I hear Jaden Daniels' name, but I quite frankly don't see him coming out um, next year at all. Austin, what is your feel um, for this 2022 quarterback class and who will be the third quarterback taken? So this is this is like kind of a hot take, but also kind of a lukewarm take. And it's been my stance here for a few months. I don't think there's a third quarterback. I just think it's two guys. I think we're just going to have to get like, there might be another guy drafted in the late, late first round. But I think that every few years you get a a class that just isn't very good at quarterback. I mean, look at that 2013 NFL draft class. The first quarterback that went was what EJ Manuel at pick 16. And there he was the only first round quarterback. Now, I think the, the talent at the top this year is obviously, you know, there are two guys, so that might prevent that from happening from like a game theory perspective. But I wouldn't bet on another quarterback going in that first round at all. 
Matt Corral. And I only say that because I think he'll go out there and he'll make just enough plays. If he if he can clean up the decision making just enough that he doesn't have another like five interception game or two of them. He only has one this year. Uh, I think someone will take a shot on him. I mean, we've seen the career. We, we've we've constantly compared him to Jameis Winston on this show. We've seen the career Jameis Winston is having in the NFL. He's got all the talent in the world. He can make every throw on the field. He can use his legs. I think some team will take a shot on him. You know, I want to say Carson Strong, but I'm really worried about the lack of mobility. And then all the people, it ended up not mattering for Zach Wilson, but all the people who kind of like shit on the competition that he played all year long, Carson Strong's playing just as bad a competition. I don't think he's, I mean, I think he gets one good game this year. No, you don't think so, Austin? You think he plays better teams? No, not in the Mountain West because BYU had a modified schedule last year. That's what I'm saying. He's playing worse competition. Yeah, he's not playing what Zach Wilson got. And everybody shit on Black, Black Wilson. Zach Wilson last year in his competition. So I think, I just... I, I would love to see it happen, but I've, I've wavered a lot more on, on Carson Strong being that guy. So if I had to pick one, it would be Corral because it's definitely not going to be Malik Willis or Slovis. Slovis is worse than Strong in every I facet of the game. Nevada plays some decent teams this year. They play they Cal- Nevada is in the Mountain West. That's a better yeah. It's a better competition than what Zach Wilson played last yeah. year as an independent with that schedule. It, yeah. it is. It just Boy- Boise, Fresno, yeah. I mean, they play they play some decent. San Jose State, State is good. San Jose State is good. I don't know if they're, they're on like their the one good. I don't think but so. He they have one they very good they defense are. on their schedule. Oh, is San Jose? They have one very good defense on their schedule. I think they they don't they don't play USC or do they? Who am no. I thinking of that plays? They USC? play Cal. They play Cal to start Cal. the season. Okay. That's their that's their power five big power five game to start the season. All right. Um. Let me ask. Let me ask. Ask both of you this. I put this on Twitter. Uh, if you could only have one in a C two C league, Carson Strong or, or Jameis Wilson, Jameis Winston, who would you rather have, Matt? <sighs> I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I voted Carson Strong on your poll, but I'm going to take Jameis Winston because I've already seen what he's done in the NFL, and so I know what I'm getting out of him. I just said it. I'm worried if Carson Strong won't even be drafted in the first round. If he gets drafted in the second round, I, I don't know that he'll ever really – I think he'll end up being a starter. But I know what Winston is, so I'll take Winston. Jameis, like a thousand percent. We we kind of talk – I could talk about Carson Strong for like an hour. He is such a fascinating profile to me because um, he's going to be a true test of – does the NFL like is the NFL fully embracing this shift toward more mobile quarterbacks? Because he is not mobile at all. Like I don't even think he's great at navigating the pocket. Like he, he's really not. And I think he's got some questionable ball placement at times. Uh, we asked, so the, I would take Jameis in a heartbeat. I, I think that we've already seen Jameis threw for five thousand yards in a season already. Like as we, I asked this before the show, and I, I just wanted to hear you guys say this on record. Is Carson Strong a better quarterback prospect than Josh Rosen was several years ago? I no, I don't think he is. And I told you, I think that that is an unfair question because the the when we consider Josh Rosen, we're considering what he was in the NFL, which is a quarterback who didn't have a chance. If Josh Rosen would have went to a good situation and had time to develop, maybe he would have been different. But he was a good quarterback prospect coming out. You don't you think he was a terrible quarterback prospect? 
No, I, I think did. he was a good prospect, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm I saying. Think, I don't think Rose or I don't think Strong is anywhere close to the level of prospect that Josh Rosen was. Personally. Well, then situation matters. Look, this is my question though. Is Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston Winston an ascending fantasy asset? I uh, no, but I, he's level. He's that makes sense. Yeah. I think Carson Strong could potentially be an ascending fantasy asset, which is why I would rather have Carson Strong because somebody's going to end up in Denver next year. Somebody's going to end up in Washington next year, and that player is going to – their value is going to skyrocket. We know that Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler are going to go early. There's going to be a third guy who finds themselves in a really good situation, and you can see their value just, just increase exponentially. So I agree with that premise. I just think that his ceiling is capped compared to what I think Jameis Winston can do because Winston's in New Orleans offense. Where if say I didn't, I can't remember what the other team you just said was, but if Carson Strong goes to Denver, he's not throwing for five thousand yards, and we know he's not getting you rushing touchdowns. So it's my biggest thing with Baker. Like I love Baker. We talked about it earlier last year. I think he could take a step forward, but his upside as a fantasy quarterback is limited because he's not throwing forty-five to forty-eight touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes. He's going to get you maybe thirty at most, thirty-five. So that limits what you can do as a fantasy quarterback, which is. What I care about, and NFL-wise, I think Carson Strong would be fine in Denver, but I think his his upside is limited because he's not going to get you 5,000 yards and 40-plus touchdowns like a Jameis Winston will in New Orleans offense. Somebody compared him to Kevin Cobb on Twitter, <laughs> and I and I was like, that kind of seems perfect, honestly. Like, really. I like, I like that. I, like, I don't have a problem with that. All right, um... <laughs> the number four headline that we are looking forward to as we get closer to the college football season is who is the running back four in the 2023 class? You've got Tank's big Tank Bigsby, you got Jameer Gibbs, you got B. John Robinson. That class is already loaded at running back. If you don't have 2023 draft picks in your dynasty leagues, it's probably going to be difficult to get them now. But there are a lot of candidates out there. I would encourage you guys to go read, read Austin's 10 bold predictions. In Austin, the, the player that you like um, that could take a step forward is Jace McClellan. It is. And for the record, I also love Zach Evans. Um, I just think McClellan you know, takes that next step into that you know, upper echelon of running back. I think he he's not going to become the bell cow at Alabama this year, barring injury to Brian Robinson. I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think he has a defined role there no matter what. And I, I'm basing that, I, I think I've said this on the show before, when they played that spring game and Roydell stepped in for Brian Robinson, but they've said that McClellan is going to get touches, which leads me to believe that Roydell is the backup for Brian Robinson and McClellan has his own role. He can catch passes. He was the highest, he's the best, the biggest spark athlete in his class at the position. He's he's dangerous in the open field. He's efficient as a runner. He's got he's 215 pounds already. He's got NFL size. He's at Alabama, which virtually seems like it guarantees you to, to, to be a top 60 pick if you're you know any any way decent at the skill positions. So I just ha- I think this year we see him put together a body of work that puts him in that upper four uh, this year. But Zach Evans is going to have a nice year too. I mean, burning the 2023 class, I mean, three running backs, three high caliber RB1s in a class is ridiculous. And I think we have that. But think about the players that you could add. 
Diamante Tranium, um, Kendall Milton, Jalen Berger, who we haven't seen uh, uh, his best football yet, um, Marshawn Lloyd, who was out last season, Chris Tyree, the fastest player at the at the opening at, at his position. I mean, that running back class could be ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Israel Abanaconda, well, what the hell? Oh, God. Get Pitts some Israel love. Get Pitts some Israel love. Abana- He'll be a great fifth round pick. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Austin. Uh, I think Jace. I think he's just going to be. I think he's going to be the better player on the better team, having that SEC schedule. If he goes up and dominates at all, he's going to be the guy. There's a lot of talk uh, down here as well that Kendry Miller has actually been looking really good for TCU as well, and, and might be splitting some time with Evans. Uh, we've seen Patterson kind of do that in the past, even with having some some decent running backs. I know Evans had the off-field stuff last year, which I think is more what led to him not getting a lot of playing time. Uh, But if Miller goes out there and plays really well too and kind of takes some of those carries away from Evans, I I could see him getting passed up by uh, McClellan. But I I, I honestly think come 2023, you were just mentioning it, Felix, how deep that class is. I mean, we could literally be talking about five deep at wide receiver and running back in that first round, and that's not even mentioning the quarterbacks or – Michael Mayer's in 23, right? I'm not misremembering that. You got Michael Mayer, who likely will be a first-round pick, and then you have those quarterbacks as well. So, yeah, 2023 is going to be a very fun class. It's going to be a really great kind of storyline to watch, not just this year, but next year as well, as those guys kind of finally go into what will likely be most of their final college years and see who can kind of keep that first-round draft capital. And our number three headline that we're looking forward to as we work towards the college football season is that Alabama wide receiver core. Now, a guy Hall is the one that went off in the spring game. He had a couple of contested catches, which I never understand why people are so excited about contested catches. I had conviction all along about JoJo Earl. Um, I have I've always had him ranked highly. I think he's my wide receiver ten, wide receiver eleven. Uh, uh, number twelve, we got Mario Williams. But his skill set is just something that doesn't exist in Alabama. And I'll tell you what it reminds me of. When Cam Newton was a backup at Florida to Tim Tebow, he talked about a play where where um, uh, I think uh, Florida was playing Old Miss. If I had Adam Lewis, he probably knows the exact game that this was. They were playing some team, and the offense was not playing well. Percy Harvin was a freshman, and they just told him, we're going to run this play on the sideline, not something that they practiced, something they just came up where they give him the ball in the backfield and he scores a 70-yard touchdown. That's what JoJo Earl is. That's not what Ja'Cory Brooks is. That's not what – Christian Leary has some of those skills, That, but that's not what a guy Hall is. I think that JoJo Earl is going to be the best of the bunch, Matt Bruning, because – and early on, because you don't have to scheme for him to be good. Just throw him a bubble screen, give him a reverse, use him in the running game, let him return punts. I And we've heard camp reports that he's the one showing out now, that JoJo Earl is the one showing out now. So out of those, the four guys that came in, my chips have been all on the table all along for JoJo Earl. And I'm excited to see what that team looks like when they play uh, Miami in week one. 
Yeah, I mean, I have Hall ranked the highest out of the the, the Alabama guys. Uh, some of that goes to, you know, you ask why people love contested catches because they just look good. I mean, they just look pretty when a dude goes up and Randy Mosses somebody. It's it's amazing. It's fun to watch. It's exciting. Uh, but I agree with you, Earl, is you, and I think Austin's been right there too, uh, that you guys have been all over Earl as, as one of your favorite guys uh, for Alabama for a while now. Uh, I think I still actually have Ja'Cory Brooks ranked over him, so that's probably going to change here with our next rankings update. Uh, but Earl, I think – Can, I, ju- can just- I jump in here, though, yeah. on contested catches? Because we love contested ca- contested catches, but then you hear Jamar Chase isn't getting separation in camp. Oh, that, he never was He was never getting separation anywhere. So, I mean – Right, I, but I, he dominated on the okay. college field, and he'll dominate in the NFL as well. We'll just give him a minute. It's all these people who – you know, we talked about this last episode, and it's, it's not worth getting back into that. Uh, Hall's going to be just fine. Earl, I think if they use him at all like they used Waddle when he was healthy, I think Earl's going to be amazing this year. He's going to end up being – the guy I think that ends up being the highest drafted out of this group, but I, I still am going to keep my chips in on on uh, on Hall. I think he's going to end up being the better guy. I, I like how Felix just said that you don't have to scheme to get Earl open, and then he named a bunch of things that you're scheming to get Earl open. Like that's not that's screens. not scheming. That's just you don't have to you don't have to run him in bunch formations and run him through picks to get him open you just give him the ball and let him play that's what i mean you know you have to run hall through picks because he can't separate he can only catch the ball that's why bryce young's got to throw it up so hall can contest it catch it because hall can't create separation like jamar chase that's what i'm hearing hall hall's a better hall's a better uh route runner than felix wants to give him credit for too i mean i i i like them both a lot um I I don't know. I think Felix is underrating Hall a little bit. I I mean, so Felix, you just talked about my my ten bold predictions for the season article. Everyone has been fading Christian Leary there. I mean, he's the lowest rated of the group, and what was he, the wide receiver ten or something in the class? Like just absurd wealth there, at the wide receiver position. I I predicted that one Bama receiver does transfer this offseason, and it's not Christian Leary, and obviously not Earl or Hall as well. It's Brooks. So that's that's my I think Brooks does nada this year. And and, you know, related to that, I think Brooks gets the Julian Fleming DeMond DeMoss value drop treatment because like I've, you only have to make like one play to to hold your value. JSN had that one touchdown catch really last year. That's that's holding his value. Um, you know, a couple of guys, they really just had like one game or one thing that they did it. DeMoss did nothing and Fleming really did nothing. I think Brooks is going to have a similar freshman year and he is not a great buy at this point in time in drafts. So yes, to answer uh, Christian Leary was number um, 10 in the composite number 16 for 24 seven sports in last year's class. Yeah. You got to take one guy from that class. Austin. It's, it's still hall. He was my wide receiver one in the whole class. So same Bruno, You got to take one guy for Paul. All right. The number two storyline that we are looking forward, looking towards uh, forward. I don't know. I can't. It's late. I can't talk anymore. Um, As we get closer to the college football season is Oklahoma's position as a national title contender. They're just such an interesting storyline. I've I've said it on this show. I've said it on other shows. I think that Oklahoma can compete with that 2019 LSU team uh, for, you know, one of the best offenses that we've seen. You look at the wide receivers that they have. 
I mean, so many, so many players who can take the top off the defense. In Mike Woods, the transfer from uh, Arkansas. In Marvin Mims, who is already there. Jadon Hazelwood could be your contested catch guy. Austin Stogner is, what, 6'6", 250. He's going to catch a lot of balls in the red zone. You have Mario Williams, who is one of my players who can play inside and out. I, and then I didn't even mention Eric Gray, but the, the thing about – Oklahoma that has to if you're a fan of the Sooners and what has to get you excited is Alex Grinch in that defense they had 39 sacks last season that was the third highest uh, in the country they also forced 19 turnovers which was 19 in the country if you have an offense that explosive that is rushing I mean this that's how the the uh the Indianapolis Colts when they built their teams they built their teams with fast defensive ends and and and, and, cor- and cornerbacks that could intercept the ball. And quite frankly, the the Saints teams uh, they had great offenses and they could rush the ball and force turnovers because teams had to play catch up with them. You can't you really you get behind against Oklahoma, it's going to be tough. And then that defense is going to come at you. And I mean, they're going to I. It, it's. I think that that team is going to be if they're dialed in and they can get past Kansas State and if they can get past Iowa State, they're headed straight towards the national championship. It's really national championship or bust, Austin, for that team this year. And I think that it's going to be the defense, quite frankly, that 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 gets them to the national championship by getting sacks and and creating turnovers. And just if the guy that I think unlocks that offense beyond, you know, having Eric Gray, because I think Kennedy Brooks would have been a fine running back for a national championship contending college team uh, is Mike Woods, which sounds really, really weird to say, but I think he gives them some experience at the wide receiver position. He'll be like, they have a lot of guys that can stretch the field, but, but none that have done it on the perimeter like he has. I think he gives that added dimension out there. They've said he's looked really good in camp. Um, I think he's going to have a better season than people are predicting. It's I. It would not shock me if he's their second leading receiver. I think. I think predicting that he leads them and everything would be a little bold, but I could totally see him being their second receiver there in that offense. I'm just worried about Rattler. It's it's so hard to say that they're going to go through and and do dominate everybody after what we saw last year. I mean, Lincoln Riley's probably, I think we talked about this last week, Austin with Colin. He's the best offensive coach in the game. Uh, So, and he does a very good job of scheming players open. If you watch Oklahoma's all 22, the way he gets some of these players just wide open is ridiculous. So if Rattler can control the turnovers, I think that they will be a, they'll get into the playoffs. I'm, just, I'm still hesitant to say they're going to be a nas- national championship contender, uh, but I, I definitely think they'll make it into the playoffs as long as, as Rattler can kind of, you know, just like we I talked about with Matt Corral earlier, if he can limit the turnovers, uh, I think that they'll be fine. One resource, if you want to check and see um, how Lincoln Riley schemes players open, go take a look at J.T. O'Sullivan's QB school, and you see how – Lincoln Riley uses players in different portions of the field to get, you know, somebody wide open, you know, 30 yards deep. Uh, and then Spencer Rattler would throw to somebody. There's nobody within 20 yards of them. Um, just a very creative player. Quite, quite frankly, some of the plays that they had Marquise Brown running some routes that I had some concepts that I had not seen before when I was watching Baker Mayfield. Uh, they have this route that they run where uh, somebody will run like a hitch route 
and Paul, it's a, it's a double move. It's almost like a, you know, a hitch and go, but they would, he would run, I forgot what it's called, but he would run like a hitch and then sl- and sit there and slant and would get wide open on it um, because, you know, a cornerback would jump and, and not, you're thinking hitch and go behind you, but he would go across the field. Anyway, just very innovative offensive coordinator uh, there at Oklahoma, which is not news to anyone. Everybody knows that. And of course, the number one headline that we are going to be tracking for the 2021 season is the Ohio State quarterback room. Where does Kyle McCord land? Where does Jack Miller land? Where does Quinn Ewers land? C.J. Stroud is a freshman. He's getting the starting job. He his his trajectory um, from being a lowly ranked recruit to winning the Elite Eleven to starting at Ohio State is absolutely miraculous. I don't see him giving up that job. You've got two four stars and two five stars in that in that uh, in that locker room in that quarterback room. One of them is going to be there next year. I think just one of them is going to be there. The three of them, McCord, Ewers, and, and Miller, quite frankly, I think that they're all going to be gone sooner rather than later, Austin. I don't know about that. I think we need to see how this year plays out like fully before we can make any determinations on that. I do think that it would be hard to pry that job from CJ Stroud's hands. I don't know. I think anybody saying that they know what's going on there with that, that quarterback battle is kidding themselves. I mean, we didn't even know Quinn Ewers was going to be there. And then all of a sudden that popped up. I mean, you never really know what Ryan day is going to do there. Um, and I feel like I've already said my piece on this. Um, I miss the good old days where I would just sit here for 40 minutes and you guys would yell at each other about that. <laughs> uh, we've, we've come a long way. We've come a long Remember way. Remember when Austin didn't talk? Austin was the guy yeah. who didn't talk. I mean, that's just... Yeah, I, I don't think I. You got I say whatever you want. I'm just gonna say. McCord pushed Stroud more than people give him credit for. And it was, it came down to that last scrimmage where Stroud, from everything I've read, heard, really separated himself from McCord in that last scrimmage. That's what won him the job. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Quinn Ewers is a program changing quarterback. If Kyle McCord was able to push TJ Stroud, it's nothing against Stroud. I think he's the third best quarterback in that room. I, I think McCord is better, and I think Quinn Ewers is better. Outside of him winning the championship or winning a Heisman, I think it's going to be a quote-unquote battle next year between him and Quinn Ewers because I think McCord and Miller will be gone, and I think Ewers is going to beat him out. And then does Stroud leave? Probably. I, I don't think Stroud's going to be the starter there next year. And and I would almost go as far to say, I'm not nobody's told me this, that it's not even going to really be a battle. He wants Quinn there. That's why he's there that early. They'll find a way for Quinn to win that battle if he doesn't do it on his own. I, I think that I agree with you, Felix, that three guys are transferring out, but I don't think it's Quinn. I think Stroud will be that third guy because I don't see him staying once he loses that job to Quinn, and Miller and McCord will likely be gone in January. Just in time for yeah. Pitt to need a quarterback. I don't think he goes to Pitt. Somebody's going like nobody's. Miller might. Who knows? Let me let me dream, Felix. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like being a Detroit Lions fan. Actually, it's probably a step above that. Um, all right, it, show a quick show meeting. We had some other headlines 
uh, on our show sheet that, you know, we didn't really include in the top nine. Is there any of those that you guys want to talk about before we close it out, Bruni? Uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about the Alliance yet because there's not a whole lot. I mean, it's happening, but it's not supposedly happening to like 2035. So we got some time. We, we got a couple of years. We can, we can worry about that later once Clemson gets out of their TV deal. I mean, I already said, I think Cincinnati will make the playoff for, for the G5 thing. So outside of that, uh, no, there's not much else. I feel like I've answered a bunch of those questions right now that I look at it. I think Clemson will be dethroned in the ACC by UNC this year. So that's it. That's all I've got. I want to ask you guys about the Oregon question that I put on there. Uh, The question that I put was, can Oregon leverage their top recruiting classes into results on the field? Can they beat Ohio State week one? I mean, that defense should be. Oh, week two. Sorry. That defense should be good. It's just a matter of whether Anthony Brown can beat That's the problem. I don't think the offense will be able to. I think that that defense will be able to handle Stroud in the offense in a, in a major way if they had a better quarterback because Ohio State's weakness, I said this before, is their defensive backs. Their, their secondary is not good. It's not gotten much better since Alabama, Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, torched him in the national championship game. Hasn't gotten much better. I don't think Anthony Brown's going to be able to do that to them. So I don't think they beat them. Once Thompson takes over, yes, I could honestly see Oregon back in the playoffs next year. They need that quarterback, though, and I don't think Anthony Brown's it. Chris Moxley, how do we do tonight? We're good? We're good. All right, Chris Moxley said that we – You had one thing wrong. I don't know if Chris is here or not. I had something wrong. What did I have Yeah, Maurice Claret went on day two. I said he went in round three. You said day three, but it's okay. I did not say day three, and there was no day three when Maurice Claret was drafted. I don't think. I think the draft was all on one day. Rewind it was the all show. On one day. I think the seven rounds. I think seven rounds were were all on one day. Jay, but are we you will, still but out we'll, there. We need we need Jay to weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> the people love the gallon, Felix. The people love the gallon. You gotta get my. I gotta get my gallon. I'm trying to get my water my water in uh, intake in every every day. But hey. Check out all the content around the campus, the Canton family. And, hey, tune in on Saturday, 828, for the tailgate in the morning and coast-to-coast at night. We're doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of things at at the channel, at the website. With the Why Wait Till Sunday is coming back in a newer and revamped format. There is a lot of stuff to get excited about at campus to Canton. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kurt Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. 
and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.